Oh, today's a good day. Um, we have, uh, it was so good to see Joni on the piano, wasn't it? We've been praying for her. Those of you who don't know, Joni has been experiencing some, some physical challenges. I saw her husband, Jeff, and his eye surgery has gone well, and he's here today. My, our brother Hutch is walking in the door right now, and I'm embarrassing him on purpose. As you may know, Hutch had a, Hutch had a heart attack, and we are so glad, Hutch, to have you back here. Uh, and as I just keep looking around, the hand of God's blessing. But you know what? one thing all those folks I just mentioned have in, in common? Doctor visits. And they get old fast. But you know what I hate worse than a doctor visit? It's the phone call that comes. Hi, Mr. Brawley. I just want to let you know that your dental hygienist will be seeing you next Monday at such and such a time. All right. Now, don't get me wrong. She's a nice lady. And we have our routine down. I mean, I walk in the door, she says, hi, I say, hi, she ushers me to the chair, I sit down in my chair, we make small talk, I ask about her two children, I ask if she's going to do tent camping again, because uh, they have one of those uh, tent campers and they go all over, so I ask her all those wonderful questions, and then she puts on the happy gas, and I like the happy gas. And she asks me if my toes are tingling yet. And when they start tingling, that's when she starts. And then she asks me questions. She stuff in my mouth. You know, and I, I don't know if they have a special thing. Do we have any hygienists here? We, we don't. Okay. Because I have a question. Do they teach you like a special language skill? Because she'll say, so are you and your family going to take a vacation? And then she sticks something in my mouth and I answer, oh, oh, so you're going to go to Tahoe again. Oh, okay. Uh, and what do you like to do there? And, and then she, she seems to understand what I'm saying. I, I don't know how she does it. And then she does that number thing. Do, they, do, your, do your hygienists do the number thing? Three, two, three. Two, one, two, two, seven, two, seven. Oh, you have not been flossing, have you? You know, you know that, that, that number thing, you know? And then she gets out her little sonic thing. And, it, and it, I don't know about you, but it goes straight, like all the way to the head and all the way to the toe. You just feel it. And then she gets out the scraper. How many have you grossed out yet? Have I grossed anyone out yet? Yeah. I got one kid over here hiding his eyes. Mama, don't make me go. Don't make me go. I said, yeah. Wow. How many of you look forward to going to the hygienist? You would, Suzanne. You would. But most of us don't. But how many of us, after we go, are like, yeah, I needed to do that. We know what's good for us. And even though we may not like it, it was good for us. 
I kind of think that's how Jude felt when he was writing this book. You know, he says, I, I, want, I want to talk about all this glorious stuff about Jesus Christ. I want to talk about the gospel. I want to talk about the magnificence of our faith. But i got to talk about those false teachers. And here's what they look like. In the last couple of weeks, you may have felt like we were slogging through all these these kind of list things, and this is what they look like, and this is what they are like, and it's like, yuck. Oh, they're gross. But, you know, we needed to hear that stuff. You needed to have those lists. You needed to know what they look like for two reasons. One, you needed to be prepared in case you encounter a false teacher. But two, you need to also be able to check your heart to see if you're being led astray. So today we plunge back into the Scriptures. We're almost done this week and next week. And this week is kind of fun because we're getting to the end. And we're coming out of the, the tunnel. So we're going to talk a little bit more about the false teacher, but not much. We're going to be finishing up on the false teacher and we're going to get into some beautiful stuff today. But notice what it says starting in verse 17. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last times there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. So let's stop right there. But you must remember this is a command. This is in the imperative tense. This is a you will remember. Not just must, you will remember. Why? Because your faith depends on it. What must you remember? Remember the predictions of the apostles. Who were the apostles? They were the disciples. What were their predictions? How do we find them? We find them in the Scriptures. Acts 20, verse 29-30. through I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come among you, not sparing the flock. And among them, your own selves, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. In other words, there will be false teachers who will attack you like fierce wolves. 1 Timothy 4.1 Now the Spirit says that in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons. 2 Timothy chapter 4 For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. Boy, doesn't that sound like our time. Scoffers. And it goes on. Scoffers. Who follow. Scoffers literally means mockers who play tricks on others. Have you ever known a trickster? Have you ever known someone who likes to play tricks? I uh, stayed at this, uh, at this little house. I was doing work as a, as a youth pastor. And I was doing it as an internship. And so I was given this little guest house to live in. And at the window, I'd jump up, I'd look out the window. 
nothing was there. I'd go back to sleep. I'd look out the window again. No one was there. And this happened for an hour. It's like, what is going on? Someone's trying to scare me. I, 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 it's got to be. But, but how? And then I said, I need to get my flashlight. So I'm shining my flashlight out in, in, in the outside. I can't see anybody. But then I look in the corner of the window. There's on the band-aid was a penny. Connected to the penny was a black cord. Someone was hiding in the bushes, pulling it, going tap, 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 tap. Since I knew whose house I was at, I knew who it was. So the next night, I snuck out and did the same thing to his room. Tricksters. It's one thing to trick in the middle of the night with a penny, but it's another thing to trick with the faith once delivered. And these are people who are taking the faith and they're twisting it and they're manipulating it and they're scoffing at the truth and supplanting it with their own words and deeds. And they want to trick people in thinking that they're reputable teachers, that they are teachers of the Word of God when they are only teaching their own devices. But notice it goes on. It says, these who cause divisions. is They will always cause division. Why? Because in the midst of conflict, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of division, they can establish power. United around the flag of Jesus Christ. You and I have been called to be united around the Great Commission to go into the world and teach the Gospel. You and I have been called around the Great Commandment to love the Lord our God with all our strength, all our mind, all our soul, and to love our neighbor as ourselves. And what this person wants to do is disrupt that. They want to bring division. They want to bring discord. They want to bring conflict. Because in the midst of it, they can fly their own flag and say, follow me. I was talking with a, a leader just this week who talked about how in their own life they knew of someone who who had just done that very thing they had gone in and they had created a, a place of division within the body and now they're flying their own flag and getting their own followers to follow them friends yes i'm called to be a leader here at the church but you're not to follow me you're to follow jesus christ do you understand leaders are also to follow Him, not our own devices. Jude then takes an interesting thing. We get to see kind of a, a little bit of humor here in Jude. You notice, notice it says there, it says worldly. He calls them worldly people. But I want you to catch what that means. In, in that day and age, one of the things that they did was, uh, they said everybody was Suke. Everyone was soulish 
Animals had souls. Uh, plants had souls. Stones had souls. People had souls. Everybody had a soul. But only the truly gifted, only the elite, could become spiritual. Now these people, these false teachers are walking around going, we're the spiritual ones. We're the spiritual leaders. And he goes, nah, you're just suke. You're just soul people. You're just down here. Why? Because you're devoid of the Spirit. What? What do you mean devoid of the Spirit? We're spiritual. No, 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 no. You see, the Bible tells us that we're all dead spiritually. We're all dead spiritually. And it takes the Holy Spirit to bring us to life. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you don't have life. You're not alive. And he says, so guess what? You don't have the Spirit? You're dead. I, I don't like that. He says, but, but Romans 8-9 makes it clear that if we don't have God's Spirit, we're not His. And if we don't have the Spirit of Christ, we don't belong to God. For you and me as believers of Christ, our great seal, our great mark, is the indwelling and transformation of the Holy Spirit. And so Jude is saying they may talk about God, but they don't know Him. You see, my friends, people today rally and rail against organized religion. They don't like what they see as a big business approach. They don't like what looks like slick marketing. But may I suggest what is the greatest turnoff of all? I think each one of us know there's an innate knowledge that true faith is to be different. That true faith is to be Spirit-filled. That true faith is to be Spirit-led. It is to be Spirit-grounded. And as we go away from doing the things that God wants us to do, people are repelled. And that the healthy leadership must be grounded in the Spirit first and foremost. And I believe that as we become grounded in the Word of God, as we become grounded in the Spirit of God, we will draw people who want to discover that spiritual life. Now here's the part that the joy starts. As we shake off the characteristics of the false teachers and begin to embrace what God has for the believer, and it's anchored in an amazing phrase. I want you to go back to the Scriptures and look at it with me. But you, beloved, starting in verse 20, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God. I want you to hang out right there. The way this verse is in the Greek, this is the most important phrase. Keep yourself in the love of God. It means anchor yourself. It means drive nails in your feet and stay in the midst of the love of God. Now, the love of God doesn't change. But this is a proximity verse. It says, you stay in the love of God. Remember the story of the prodigal son? 
Remember that story? Great story, right? I love that story. One of my favorite stories in the Bible. The father loves the son. The son takes off. Question, did the father's love for the son ever stop? Did the father's desire to bless his son ever stop? However, as the son got farther away from the father, was the father's blessing realized by the son? No. Was the Father's love experienced by the Son? No. In fact, something had happened in the Son's mind. It had become twisted to the place that He was viewing being close to the Father, being in the midst of the Father's love, being in the midst of the Father's blessing was bad. And so He takes off and He runs from the Father's love. He runs from the Father's blessing and He destroys his life. He's sitting there with pigs. And there's this beautiful phrase in Scripture. It says, and he came to his senses. His brain cleared. And what did he do? He ran back to the Father. Why? Because blessing and love and joy was found by being close to the Father. That's what it's talking about here. When it says keep yourself in the love, it's saying stay close to the Father. But how do we do it? Well, there's three ways that the passage tells us. Notice that it says, first of all, building yourselves up in the most holy faith. How do we do that? How do we build ourselves up in the most holy faith? Acts 20.32, I commend to you God in the word of His Grace which can build you up. Friends, the Word of God is the exercise to our spiritual body. Apply it. Learn it. Live it. And if you don't know it well, studying is hard for you, then start with what you know. Listen to what is taught and strive to apply that. I love the story of a hermit who came to a monk and said, I cannot read. Teach me. Teach me God's Word. And the monk read a portion of God's Word. And then the hermit said, Stop! Stop! Don't go any further. I will go and try to live this. And when I have learned how to live this, I will come back and ask for more. Immediately apply the Word of God and you will grow. In one of my churches, I had a man who had a, had a learning difficulty come up to me each week after the service. He was a man who had had a hard life. He was a man who had struggled and he could only handle. He couldn't, he couldn't hardly read at all. He couldn't hardly, uh, he, he, he did lousy in school. And he, he would come up to me at the end of the service and he'd look at me and go, Pastor Greg. And I'd say, yes. He says, Pastor Greg, the main point of that message was this, Right? And he would tell me what the main point is. And I'd say, yes. And then he'd say, and I'm supposed to do this, right? And I'd say, yes. He goes, well, then I will try to do that this week. I will try to live that. Guess what? As a pastor, I cannot ask for anything more. Could you, Paul? That thrills our hearts. Because he was taking what he had, and he applied it. So first of all, build yourself up in the faith. Notice secondly, pray in the Spirit. It says praying in the Holy Spirit. How do we do that? 
Well, first of all, remember that Scripture did not come by the will of man, but as holy men of God spoke as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Praying the Scripture is to pray with the Scriptures. Pray in accordance with the Scriptures. And when you pray in accordance with the Scriptures, you're praying the desire of the Holy Spirit. Also, too often churches think that they may, must be either a church of the Word or a church of the Spirit. The Bible doesn't know that dichotomy. The two are one. You cannot be a church of the Spirit without the Word, and you cannot be a church of the Word without the Spirit. So friends, when we pray, we pray and we say, when I pray in the name of the Holy Spirit, when I pray in accordance with the Holy Spirit, what I am saying is, Your will be done. I want to do what You want. I don't want my will, I want Your will. And if I'm always praying God's will to be done, then guess what? I'm going to stay in the center of His love. Also, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ is next. This word waiting is waiting anxiously. It's waiting with intensity. It is not sitting back. It's not just looking around. It is looking out the window, hoping that that loved one is coming home, hoping that that loved one is safe. It's waiting with action. When Donna and I lived in New Hope, I had this wonderful little dog named Buster. You may notice that in the Brawley family, we name pretty much every dog a bee name. It's just who we are. So we've had Belle and Buster and two S's, Squirt, Squirt and Scooter, Boss. Now we got Biscuit and Bubba. So here we have Buster, wonderful dog. And it was at the end of his life. Well, little old Buster had gone blind. Little old Buster had gone deaf. But he knew his way around the house and he was a happy camper. Until one day, someone tried to break in our front door. And they managed to get the door open. Now a neighbor was coming home and scared them off. But when they got the front door open, Buster somehow got out. And Buster, not being able to see and not being able to hear, was scared. He was scared by this person trying to break in the house, and so he ran. And when we got home, there was no Buster. So for the next three days, I waited anxiously. How did I wait? I pounded the pavement. I went down every street. I'm walking down every street. Buster! Buster! Now, think about this. I'm yelling for a deaf dog. But I'm, I'm yelling. We put up flyers everywhere. We're calling the Humane Society. We're calling all the places around. And someone said, have you called pups? I said, what's a pups? That's puppies under police services. Okay, I call pups. They got Buster. They found him at a schoolyard. He was sitting there just quivering, not knowing what was going on. And so the police came. And first time I had any one of my dogs arrested, but um, he, he, he did well. Got him home. He lived a good life. But that's waiting anxiously. What are we waiting for? The mercy of Jesus Christ. What's the mercy? Well, Titus 2 tells us it's the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's Him coming back. 
For when He comes back, He will give us His mercy. He will pour out His mercy upon us even more than we've already received. It's a Savior coming again. Now some of us might be saying, oh cool, so we just sit and watch for Jesus. Oh no, 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 no. This mercy, this anxious waiting is a compelling to action. Where's that? Keep going. And have mercy. The mercy that we receive from Jesus, now take that, and I want you to have mercy first on those who doubt. Our world is filled with so many messages and confusion that there are those who don't know what to believe. And we are called, because Jesus is coming again, we are called to take our message to them. We are called to reassure them. We are called to encourage them. This is what redemptive relations are about. It's coming in contact with people and loving them to the cross and bringing them to Jesus and answering their questions and answering their honest Conflicts. But notice it goes on. There's another level. Saving others by snatching them out of the fire. (coughs) These are people who are farther down the road. They've been taken in by the false teachers. They've been taken in by the false teachers. Systems. They are on their way to destruction and they need someone who's going to risk it all and take the truth to them and share with them with well-reasoned arguments. And when I say arguments, I don't mean fights. I mean discussions. There are people who, who need to know what you believe, but not only know what you believe, but why you believe and why it's a strong belief. After this series is over, I'm going to take a week or two and talk about why you can trust your Bible because so many people today have been told that you, the Bible is full of errors and, and, and you can't trust it. And I want you to walk out of here with confidence that you can. So this is who we're trying to reach. Someone who's been so filled with a false teacher's teaching and a false narrative. And snatching them out of the fire simply means there's an urgency. And the last group will take a little explaining. (coughs) This is the people who are the false teachers themselves. You say, whoa, 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 Greg, we're supposed to go after the false teacher? Well, look at the phrase here. To others show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. That phrase, even the garment stained by flesh, is an Old Testament phrase. It's a phrase that talks about when the priest would go and look at a leper. And, then, and he would look at their garments and he would look at the undergarment. And if the leprosy had so spread and had touched the undergarment, you would take the undergarment and burn it. These are the people carrying the disease, these are the false teachers. Notice that it says, with fear we go to him. Fear, what, what do you mean that? Cautiousness. Cautious about our faith. We know that when we go to him, our faith is going to be tested. Our faith is going to be under attack. What is the two ways? One, it's going to be tested on what we know we believe. And two, it'll be tested by pride. Which is more dangerous? The pride. You see, 
if we go with pride, we open the door for the evil one to work. If we go ill-prepared, we will create doubts for our own self. So we need to know what we believe. But notice something here with me. The enemy is not the people. Even the false teachers are not the enemy. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities and spiritual wickedness in high places. People are never the enemy. It's the puppet master that controls them. That is. So when we fight, we go after everyone. Those who doubt. Those who've been taken in. And even those who are promoting false teaching. Why? Because their souls matter. The story is told of a terrible storm that had swept across the Atlantic and hit the coast of England. A ship was thrown on the rocks and a lifeboat was sent out to save those on the ship. And when the, finally the lifeboat came in and the leader of the boat shouted, All saved but one! Someone asked, Why didn't you save the one? And he said, Because we were too exhausted. The storm was too great. We would all have drowned. A man on the shore stepped forward. His name was John Holden. He said, are there six men who will go with me to save this one? Six men stepped forward. As John and the men aborted the lifeboat, John's mother ran to him and begged him not to go. She had lost his older brother William to the sea two years before. She didn't want to lose him. John stopped and said, there's a man drowning, mother, and I must go. If the sea should follow me and take me, God will take care of you. He kissed her, got on the boat, and they went out into the storm. They found the man clinging to the sinking ship, and they got him on the boat, and they made it back to the shore. And when they reached the shore, a shout went out, Did you find the man? Yes, John said. And tell my mother, it was my brother William. Friends, False teaching today has caused many a person to have shipwrecked their faith. We who know the mercy of God must go out and reach out and bring them safely back to the truth of God. Amen. Father, we would ask that you would guide and guard our thoughts and our hearts. May we motivated by the fact that we are anchored in the love of God, built up by the Word of God, knowing the Holy Spirit and praying in the Holy Spirit, looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Reach out to those who doubt. Reach out to those who are, who are confused and reach out to those who are committed to falseness because, Father, they aren't the enemy. They are people in need of the Gospel. Help us to be that kind of people. In Jesus' name, amen. What I'd like you to do is, in a moment, we're going to show a video. 
And as we enter, as you know, this is 4th of July weekend. I was wondering, what's the best way to celebrate the 4th? And we have fireworks and hot dogs. But as believers, I want to challenge us to take a moment and pray for our country over the 4th. Would you, would you do that? On the 4th of July, would you stop as a family and pray for our country? And this video will, will just remind you of what it could look like. Would you play the video for us? <laughs> 